Well, good morning. Good to see all of you today. Are your uh, feet dry? Mostly, kind of, sort of. Yeah, I, I found the parking spot back here. I didn't realize we have a creek that runs through our parking lot, but I, I found it. I parked, I got out of the car, both feet right in it, and uh, then I was carrying something, and of course, I dropped that. It was just, it was a disaster getting in the building for me today. But I'm here. My feet are wet and cold. I imagine by the time I get home, they'll have that kind of wet, pasty. Well, that's getting gross now. We just, you all know what I'm talking about, right? Hey, it's good to see all of you here. I'm glad you braved the elements to uh, gather with God's people people in worship together. You know, last week we started a series uh, called Honor and we, we introduced, boy, just as a, a simple and yet profound, exciting promise, uh, a principle for you and I to live life by. We found it deep in the Old Testament. God says, very simple thing, honor me and I will honor you. Boy, folks, what, what a guarantee to begin a, a, a new year, to begin a new job, to begin a new marriage, to, how about this, to begin a new day. I mean, just to be going into a day and know that I've got this promise from God that if I'll use my life, my, my marriage, the, the, the decision, the confrontation, my parenting, my job, my finances, I mean, again, the whole and all the little pieces, where do you want God to fix where do you want God to change something? Where do you want God to, to make something better? Where in your, life, in your life do you want God to honor that, to bless that? He says, give that to honoring me and I, and I will do that. What, what an incredible promise and guarantee to, to go into something with. Now, when we say we're giving that to honor God, you remember last week when we talked about what honor means, we said it, it means to make heavy, to make weighty. So when we say we're giving something to honoring God with it, what we're saying is, I'm going to let God's words on that area, whatever it is I'm pursuing his honor in, I'm going to let God's words on that area weigh more to me, be more significant to me than my own words than my own ideas. Now that is a, a really long sentence to say this, obey, <laughs> right? I, I mean, wherever we're wanting God to move, wherever we're wanting him to work, guess what? He's spoken to that. He, he, he's got ideas and thoughts on that. And when you and I give ourselves to obeying those thoughts, because we, we weigh them as valuable and heavy, then he says, I'm going to honor your life. So that, that's one way that we get God's honor, and we'll continue to unwrap that uh, during this series. A, another way is when we honor places, people, positions that God tells us to honor. And, and there are those things in Scripture. God says, hey, I want you, my people, to, to honor this. We're going to unwrap some of that next two weeks. We're going to go into the home for a little bit. We're going to look at what God means when he says, honor marriage, what does that mean inside a marriage between a man and a wife? What does that mean to somebody who's not married? What does that mean to our political and legal process? Honor marriage. Then, then the following week, we're going to look at what it means to, yes, honor parents, but what does it mean to honor children? What, what does it mean to honor these, these ideas, these things that God says to honor? Now, today, it is our calendar that, that brought us to what we're going to talk about today, and that is honoring life. Today is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. This is a, a Sunday that came into being that was declared because it's been now 42 years since our nation arrived at a place where we said we can end human life. We, we actually said it's our right. I have a right to end a baby's life. 
Now, you know what? I understand it to phrase it like that, to, to say it in that sentence, a little bit inflammatory language. There would be some who would say, well, I, I didn't understand that that's what I was doing. I, that's not what I believe I am doing. As a matter of fact, when you go back to when that happened in the, in the early 70s, I mean, there was actually a lot of discussion about what is human life? When, when does that begin? Is it, is it inside the womb? Is it outside the womb? If it's, if it's inside the womb, I mean, isn't that just a, a mass of cells? And, and while we're kind of trying to figure out if that's life and, and should we value it as life, we're, we're also looking at things like the age of, of viability. When does it begin outside the womb? And, and, and while that's going on, we're talking about abortion as really, I mean, it's just a simple medical procedure. Uh, you know, and it's, it's not something that, that that mass of cells feels or, or responds to. And so all of that is kind of going on when, when we walk down this road where we say we can, we can take a human life. We, we have a, a, a right to do that. But then some kind of exciting things happened in medical technology. Yeah, I mean, it, that's always advancing, right? And, and something that is very kind of commonplace now, and we don't think that much about it, it was a huge thing when it came about, and that's, a, that's an ultrasound. I, I mean, for the first time in human history, we had a window to the womb. We, we could look inside there, and, and we saw that, that this mass of cells has a heartbeat, has brain waves, before the average woman even knows she's pregnant. We saw that this mass of cells does feel and it, it does respond. We saw that this mass of cells looks a whole lot like a little person, a human being. And, and it wasn't what was just going on with that, but even outside the womb. If you go back to the 70s, we start talking about, you know, when can a baby survive outside the womb in the, in the 70s? Boy, a, a premature baby. I mean, it just had to make it till about week 30 to 32, or there was just almost no chance of survival. Today, folks, and, and this is pretty rare, but we've had babies survive that were born at 21 weeks. Rare that it can survive at that level of prematurity, but it does happen. And, it's, and, and what is even more common is if that baby makes it to week 24, week 26. So when we're, we're inside the womb, we're outside the womb, it's like, wow, this is, this is really starting to look like a person. And, and I'm grateful for medical technology helping us see that, helping us get there. But I, I wonder, did we need medical technology to get there? Would we not, could we not have such a high value of life that, that even if we saw it as nothing more than potential life, but it's potential life and we would honor, we would honor that. You know, I, I know what God thinks of potential life. I, I know what God thinks of that mass of cells. And, and I know that because we see a dialogue between God and the womb. Listen to this. I think it's a passage many of you might be familiar with. Psalm 139, beginning in verse 13. It says, for you formed my inward parts. You, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Now, now folks, that's not, a, that's not a statement denying biology. It's not a statement denying science. The, the Bible understands conception. 
It, it understands growth and process and birth and, and drawing a breath. It, it gets all that. But God's the creator of that. He's the designer of that process. And yet, as I read this verse, it's saying that m- there's something more going on that God is a designer of a process. He's a designer of the individual. That, 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 that individual there in the womb, verse 14, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. I love, I love that phrase from David. He, he didn't have an ultrasound, did he? <laughs> they didn't have that. I, I don't know what it looks like in there. But your eyes do. Your eyes know what's going on inside the womb. It knows what that looks like. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. God has a a, a relationship with, with that little individual. God has designed days before a single one begins. In other words, before I drew a breath outside the womb, you had my days planned. You had days ordered for me. Folks, do you know what makes a life sacred? God. God is what makes a life sacred. His involvement, his creation of that life is is what makes a life sacred. So if I understand that and if I know that, then where could we say that a, a human could introduce themselves to the process and say, now here's where I decide the value of that life. Here's where I decide if it lives or not. As a matter of fact, let me throw a curveball at you. Would you be surprised if I said that possibly the death penalty? Now, that's a, that's a place where we decide if a person's going to live or not, right? But, but could the death penalty be a place that actually proves is evidence of the sanctity, the value of life? Look at, not, not what I say, look at what God says in Genesis chapter 9. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. You know, folks, that, that last phrase, in his own image, really important because you see, you and I are, are told today, and it's, it's, it's an evolutionary model, it's an evolutionary way of thinking that, that leads to this, but we're told in that model that this doesn't exist. That, that really, honestly, you and I are not, not a whole lot different from plant life and, and animal life. Just like plants and animals, you're, you're here by chance, and, and oh yes, evolution has afforded you the, the opportunity to walk upright. But, but outside of that, there, there, there's really no difference. You know, to be honest with you, if, if that's your model, if that's your understanding, I, I, I can see why maybe abortion would be little more than a medical procedure. I, I, I can see why there would not be the attachment uh, uh, of any special value to a human life. But, but folks, God tells us something differently, doesn't he? He says, he says no, you, you are different from the plants and the animals. And here again, that's not a unscientific statement. I, 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 I get it. If you look at our chemistry and our DNA and makeup, I think what we're like 98.5% the same as a pig. Oh, okay, I, I've got no problem with that. I, I, I don't disagree with that. But folks, the pig does not have the stamp of God's image on it. The pig does not have a, a soul. And, and so we are distinct. We are special. That there is a value there. As a matter of fact, it is of such a high value that God says, no murder. You, you, you can't do that. 
You, you see, folks, murder is not just an issue of insanity. It, it's not just an issue of whether a person can be reformed, but rather, folks, it, it is an issue that, that we so highly value, we, we so highly respect life. It is an issue that, that murder is an attack on the image of God. It is an attack uh, upon the, the community of humanity. And that can only have one consequence. The, the forfeiture of life. You see, it's actually in a place where we would take a life that it proves how high and how valuable life is. But, but God doesn't stop there. Watch what Jesus goes on to say in Matthew chapter 5. He said, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Yeah, we just saw that, right? Can't, can't do that. But I say to you, whoever is angry is liable to judgment, liable to, hey, there's a, there's a bad word, hellfire. Wow. Now, you know, folks, what, what is, you know, you, let's think of murder as a road, okay? At the end of the road, you, you kill them. Okay, now the entrance ramp to that road would be what? Anger. Now, now I'm guessing that a lot of us in here feel like we have honed the fine art of getting angry and still being able to stop several intersections from murder, right? Have you learned to do that? I'm, I'm assuming you would or you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be sitting here with us today, would you? Yeah, I mean, I'm like, well, come on, Lord, I can, I can get angry. I, I, I mean, I, I know when to put on the brakes, I know, okay, stop at this point. And yet, folks, that's exactly what God is trying to teach here. Is that he so highly values life that he doesn't want to see how close we can get to devaluing it. You you, you see, God is, God's not looking to see how self-controlled you are. God is, is not looking to see your restraint. God's not looking to see how close to the line of devaluing you can get and then slam on the brakes. No, no, I don't, I don't want to see, see you fall short. I want to see you fall way short. I, I want you to so highly value life that you come way, way, way back here before it's devalued. Now, folks, here's the hard part about valuing life. That means we have to value people, <laughs> right? Because that's what, that's what life is. If we're going to honor God, if we're going to honor life, that, that means we value people. And that means that you and I care about. That means that you and I are interested. That means we're involved with where where people have been devalued. And and we do what we can to stop that. We certainly, yes, issues of murder, issues of abortion. But guess what, folks? Issues of prostitution. Issues of pornography. Issues of slavery. Slavery. All of those are places where we have devalued that person to really nothing more than a piece of meat that serves my need or serves my whim at that moment. That, that's something we care about. That's something we fight. And, and, and we do that through prayer in, in our nation. There, there's a legal process. There's a, a political process that we can use to fight that. But, but here's what I want to focus on today. While, while that is very important and needs to be dealt with, I, I don't want to deal with the line where, where life has already been devalued. I, I want to think about how we keep from ever getting to that line. And not just you and me individually, but what can we do so that our culture backs up off this line and we come all the way back here, which I think is what Jesus is saying in Matthew 5. How do we give honor and value to life? How do we give honor and value to people? The, the people we're talking about, folks, is, is the waitress, right? It's the waitress, it's the teacher, it's the coach. 
it, 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 it's, it's, of course, it's the parents and it's the mate. And it's that guy who drives behind us. Do y'all know that guy that drives behind you? Yeah, it, it's giving value there. You know, it's, yeah, it's not just the friends, but it's the enemies. It's the criminal. It's the police officer. It's the judge. It's the lawyer. It's every, it's every person, folks, that I haven't mentioned. All of them are created in the image of God. And that's why we would give them value. And it's, and it's hard. It's hard because we live in a culture of death. It's hard because we live in a culture that does not value it's just hard, folks, because people don't always act like they're created in the image of God, do they? You know, I, I'm guessing that this room, like me, for the most part, you're pretty nice people, right? I mean, <laughs> okay, okay, so three of us are like really pretty nice, for the most part, nice people. The rest of you really need to be here today, don't you? Okay, well, good, praise the Lord. Um, okay. You know, I, I am, I am a, I'm a pretty nice person. I, I, I tend not to be a big fighter. I don't fight people. Uh, I don't cuss at people. Um, I mean, that's, that's not, oh, you, you know, I'm a pastor. Not, no, before I was a pastor, I didn't really do that. It's not my, not really just my character, my nature. I, I'm, I'm not like that. I don't, I don't engage with strangers, obviously, in any kind of combative way. I mean, that's just not, that's just not me. I'm, I'm pretty nice for the most part. And I'm guessing that's true for a lot of you. So in a moment, I'm going to, I'm going to show you a list of things we can do. And a lot of us are going to say, well, yeah, I, I do that. And, and, and I try to do that. And, and yes, I agree with that, there might be some misses. But folks, the misses is what this is all about. You know, it's, it's not just, okay, I somewhere in my life, I do these five things. You, you know, folks, my challenge for you in a moment is going to be to take these five things and really to think upon them and how you engage upon them. And, and folks, nobody in this room is going to think about them more than I thought about them this last week because I was preparing to preach a sermon, Right? So I really, really thought about this. I mean, I worked on this sermon all week long. I put it together. I'm going to give you these, these five ideas. And I mean, I've got them in my heart and my mind. And, and of course, that's coupled with a pretty nice guy anyway. And so I come to Thursday night, end of the week. I mean, my message is together. I'm, I'm ready to go, man. I'm, we're going to honor life and we're going to honor people. And so, uh, so I, I am meeting my family for, for dinner. And we're, so we're coming in, in separate cars and we arrive at the parking lot at, at, at the exact same time. I mean, we, that we, I see them go in and I'm coming in and, and so we're, you know, we're doing that driving back and forth trying to, to find a parking spot. And, and I, at the very end of a row, I, I pull in and park and I, I see Karen and the kids coming around and they're, they're getting ready to come down the road that I just found a spot on. And, and so Karen, and I mean, I've, I've watched Karen and I've, I've seen the car and I don't know that anything, I mean, it doesn't look like anything unusual is going on. And so she, you know, she comes around and she pulls down the, the same row I'm in. And as she goes by me, I mean, they see, hey, you know, and so they, they go by me. Well, there's a, there's a truck following her and and there's a, a guy behind her and I and I'm just walking into the restaurant right R- row of cars here row of cars there and and then the, the travel lane and so there goes Karen and here comes this truck and and the truck has its window down it's pretty nice weather that evening and and this guy is, is following my family and he is but cussing them out a good one and, and I, I mean, you know, what are the odds that this is, ha- and I'm standing right there, right? You know, and so he, he's, he's got the window down and I, the best I can tell, Karen was not parking fast enough for him. You, you know this person? 
He needed her to, to, to park faster. And, and so he is, he is cussing my family out. Folks, you know what was weird is he was acting so bad, it, it, was, it was almost silly now that I look back on it. And, uh, but here again, what are the odds that is happening? And of course, he's driving very slowly because he's in front of my very slow parking wife and, or behind. And, and so I'm walking along. Literally, he has not seen me. And I'm walking along. Liter- I mean, I reach out and, and touch his car. And there's his open window. And uh, so then when Karen stopped to actually pull in, he stopped. And, uh, and so I, I stopped also. And I, I shared with him in that moment. And uh, I, I did not honor him in that moment. And you might say, well, that, that's, you know, that's, that's righteous anger. He had, it might be righteous anger, but what came out of my mouth was, was not righteous. And you know what? That's totally not, that's not me on a bad day. That's not me when I'm looking for trouble. I mean, that, that's just not me. And here's a week where I'm thinking about honoring people all week long, right? And, and, and here he comes. And then, and, and boy, folks, I mean, I just, I really, I thought, oh, shoot. I think I'm, I think I'm preaching on that this week. And uh, when, when people are acting bad, a lot of times it's because that's a place where they've been devalued. And in that moment, they're, they're trying to find value apart from God. Hey folks, that's when you and I step up, Right? We, we've got life, we've got value, we've got everything, all this stuff. And, and, and that, that was, that was a, a, a moment. And, and I not only missed the moment, I, I went the complete opposite direction. Of, and I think, what just, what just happened there? I don't, I don't do that. Especially when I'm thinking about honoring people. I, it ruined dinner for me, needless to say. So folks, when we walk through this list in just a second, the goal is not... Oh yeah, I, I, I do that. that that's, that's mostly me. I, I, tr- I try to... Okay, awesome. It's mostly you. It's, it's mostly me too. But what I really need to think about is where are the times and places that's not me? Because that's when it needs to come alive. And that's when it needs to shine. Five ideas. Don't get caught on the word five. Literally, right off the top of my head, just kind of pulled together some thoughts and, and the scripture. It might should be 12 ideas. I, I, I don't know. But here's, here's five ideas. By the way, I, I've already seen you know, snapping pictures of the thing and trying to keep notes up and all that. I will put this on, uh, on Facebook today. Uh, on my Facebook and on the church Facebook if you want to get these notes and the verses and everything. So if you haven't friended me, Randall T. Hahn. So why haven't you friended me? That's not, very, that's not very honoring, is it? So, okay, forget that. So anyway, this afternoon when I get home, I'll put this on, on Facebook and the church Facebook if you don't want to friend me, okay? Five life honoring ways. Number one, this is kind of fun. Look at this. I am going to give you more value than you give me and I'm excited about that. I'm going to give you more. Romans 12.10 actually says outdo honoring each other. So, you know, if you come along and you say something nice to me, give me something, help me do something, and you honor me at a level six. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm, I'm, I'm obligated now to honor you at a level eight. Tag, you're it. And then you've got to come back and honor me at a level 10. That's the command of God on your life and, and on my life. Now, folks, that, that command we should carry ev- everywhere we go, every person, every interaction. But could we just imagine for a moment what this would do if we just did this in our homes? Can you imagine two mates, 
husband and wife trying to outdo each other in honoring each other? In, in bless, not, not like, you know, here, here's the assignment. You know, Valentine's is coming up. No, I'm pretty sure what God has in mind here is an everyday way of living. You know, if siblings were outdoing, fighting, fighting over who could honor each other the best. What, what if that happened in church? What, what if we just, you know, in our normal course of events of a Sunday morning, we came in here, just tried to outdo each other. I, I'll tell you what would happen, folks, is we would not be able to build big enough buildings and get enough campuses because the world would be knocking down our doors because it's what everybody out there is hungry and thirsty for, to be loved and to have value and have significance and worth. And so God says, here's what I want you, my people, who I've given life and value to, I want you to outdo each other in this. Not a one-time assignment, a way to live. Number two, and this is where, this isn't so fun. This is where it starts getting hard. Uh, I'm not going to give you what you deserve when you've been bad. I, I missed that point Thursday night. So look at the word of God and not me, all right? I'm not going to give you what you deserve. Now, let me, let me pause on that for a second because there actually are some people that are supposed to give people what they deserve when they're bad, right? Aren't, aren't mom and dad supposed to do that periodically? Yes. And judges, the government, they're supposed to do that, right? Folks, watch the power and the beauty of God's system. God has put people in place to bring about consequences, when they, when they do their job, mom and dad, the government, th- there's others out there, teachers, bosses. When they do their job, guess what it frees you and me up to do? Not get even. It, it frees you and me up to not get revenge because there's a system out there that will take care of the wrong. So I can now focus on the bigger and even more important picture than consequences, and that's grace. And, and folks, you really do need to check out these verses. I put two here, Romans 12, 17, and then another passage, 19 to 21. That, that's two passages. I could put 102. This is a huge theme of scripture, and it is hard. That Do not hear today as a, a little motivational speech, a little shot in the arm to go out there and be nice, be kind. No, folks, this is, this is what we're called to do. These are the passages. This is the all ideas, all this stuff about, you know, turn the other cheek, don't return evil for evil, bless your enemy, uh, pray for those who persecute you. All of that falls under this line. This is a way of life for us. This, this is how we're to live. You know, there's a, there's a scripture I think probably falls in the, in the top two or three passages that is the most abused, most misinterpreted, and most misused in, in all of scripture. You know the verse, an eye for a eye, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Normally when you hear somebody say that, unbeliever or believer, there's going to be just a little tone of revenge, isn't there? I mean, that's when we quote that, right? You did this to me, you got it coming. God is not freeing you and I up to get revenge in that verse, folks. That verse is being spoken into a culture, into a time, and really into a humanity. Because you think about it, when you're getting even, your goal is not to get even, is it? No, no, it's not. We're always about one-upmanship. And so I'm not just trying to even the score. I'm going a little beyond that. And, and, and actually, when that, when that was spoken, folks, it was into a culture. Hey, you knock out my tooth, I'm going to knock out all yours. You, you cut off my hand, I'm going to kill you. You kill my cow, I'm going to burn down your farm. 
We're, we're always, so folks, it was in God's grace that he freed us up not to get revenge, but he restrained us and said, listen, when we come to those places where there does need to be consequences, the consequences and the punishment should never exceed the actual crime. It should never go beyond. See, that's pulling us back. It's not freeing us up to go get them. It's pulling us back. Because we're a people who are always trying to operate first and foremost with grace. How do I not give you what you have coming? Number three, I'm going to treat everyone in a way that encourages them to want to honor others. Here again, kind of a neat idea about God. It kind of goes beyond number one. And number one, you and I are kind of competing for who can outdo each other in honor. But, but when the interaction's over, I, I have so honored you. I, I just... The way I've loved you, been kind to you, valued you, that when you bump into your next interaction, it spills out. You, you've been so honored that when you get home, it spills out on your family. You get to work and it, it spills out on the coworkers. Now, do you and I know if that actually happens? No. Can we make that happen? N- not really. I just think it's kind of interesting that God kind of shapes it that way for us. That, that, that we are of such a goodness in somebody's lives that, that they take that and end up doing it for others. Number four, I'm going to meet a need when I can and I'm going to look for the need and how I can. The second part of the line is more important than the first part. It's, it's not unusual to hear somebody say, hey, meet a need when you can. And, and you know what? You and I will hear that. We'll agree that and say, boy, that's exactly, that's exactly what I need to do. And I launch into this week to meet a need. And all of a sudden, I'm back in here next Sunday and I didn't meet a need. I, I meant to, but the problem is you and I are mostly running at 100 miles an hour like this, right? We got blinders on. We're busy. We're going, we're going and going. And say, I, you know, I, I, I would have met a need. I just didn't see any need. There's not a person in this room that didn't walk by at least 50 people in need this week. Not a single person in this room that did not walk by people in need. Relational need, spiritual need, emotional need, physical need, financial need. And I get it, we don't always know, but that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm going to meet a need as long as it jumps up and slaps me in the face. No, that's what I'm saying. So here's what I'm going to do. Instead of waiting for the need to jump up and slap me in the face, I'm going out there hunting for it. God, would you open my eyes, open my ears. I can hear the dialogue around me at the office. So I can hear what what students are saying there at at the locker. God, don't let me miss it. Let me see it. And then let me know how I can. Let me know what I can do. I don't know about y'all. I bump into some needs every now and then that are so overwhelming. Well, what can I do in that? I can't, I can't fix that. I can't correct that. I can't change that need. And so because the need is so great, I, I, I'm praying for you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't do anything. You know what, folks? You and I don't have to have the ability to completely eradicate a need to do something about the need. Do, do you know when you, when you attempt to help somebody in need, whether it erases their problem or not, what you're saying is, I saw you. You know, when you see somebody, they feel what? Valued. Somebody saw me. Somebody recognized me. Somebody understands. Somebody cares. That's showing value. That's showing honor. I, I, I recognize it. Doesn't fix everything, but folks, sometimes just to know I was seen, just to know I was seen makes a big difference. Number five, last one. I will not lead any person into sin 
for that's where we dishonor God, we dishonor each other, and we dishonor in life, which only leaves with one option, folks. We are fully embracing death. (laughs) Y'all like my quote? The Bible. I should put a verse there to help you out a little bit more, but really just start reading because it's like the entire message of the Bible. Sin is a step toward death. That sin might be productive. It might help you get what you want. It might help you get even. It might make you feel good. I mean, a lot of sin can be very productive in the moment. But in that moment of productivity, you are moving toward death. Now, that's one thing when you and I choose to, to walk a path of death. But folks, when we start leading other people down that path, when I lead other people to react in anger, when I lead other people to lie, when I lead somebody to be involved sexual, in sexual immorality, hey, it might feel good, it might meet a need, but it is leading them to death. You might call it love, but it's not. There's no way to love somebody and lead them to death. How about this one? How about gossiping? Would gossip not be the very heart of devaluing a person. Think about it. I have a conversation with somebody. About you by the way. <laughs> and, and by the time we're done talking. We like you even less than we did before I started talking. You think about what gossip does. Gossip enables people to dislike somebody even more. It enables them to be even more bitter. It enables them to be even more angry. Oh wait a minute. <laughs> Jesus said something about that, right? Yeah, that's the line I'm not trying to arrive at. If, if I'm not trying to arrive at the line of anger, I'm trying to, and not just stop short of the line, but back way up from the line, then how can I have conversations that lead people to do just that? Like that person a little less. Gossip is incredibly devaluing of, of a human person. Folks, I wonder, I mean, the church is, you know, we're, we're the... The beacon of light, right? The place of hope, the place of life. I I, I wonder in how many churches today in America did a conversation take place that fully embraced death? I'll tell you what I think. 100%. I'm not saying I'm right. It's my opinion. Obviously, you can fully disagree with me. But it would be my belief that in 100% of the places where they gathered to worship the God of life who had saved them from death, conversations took place that embraced death. Because we, we gossip at church, right? I mean, not our church. I'm talking about the other churches, of course. <laughs> no, we, we, we do. We, we embrace death. It, folks, the challenge in these five things... I do this with the people I love the most. Well, awesome. The truth of the matter is we don't even do this with the people we love the most. But the challenge of these five things is not to turn it into assignment where I try to do all five of them once this week. The challenge is that we do all five of these with the people that we interact with the very most down to the people we will interact with once in our entire life. That we do this with, with the people that we interact with, the, love the, the, the ones that we love the most, all the way down to those that we interact with that we... Well, don't love us the most, right? And, and, and everybody in between, do they deserve it? No, they don't always deserve it. This isn't about, it's not because they deserve it. It's not because they're going to do it back for us. It's because they were made in the image of God and that gives them a value that I need to interact with and relate with because they're probably not living inside that value. 
And, and that's, that's an opportunity for me there. And, and what we do, folks, when we go through these five things is our mind, doesn't it? I, I can't imagine a lot of us haven't gone here in the last few minutes. Our mind races to the exceptions. I, I call them the yeah buts and the whatabouts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, oh sure, but what about? You know what? That is very real. You, you, you're not doing anything wrong because you have yeah buts and whatabouts in your life. That's very, very real. And, and folks, the scripture has guidance for us on these exceptions to the rule. But folks, we'll never put the exceptions in place. We'll never rightly handle the exceptions until the principle is in full operation in life. You realize what exceptions are? They're an exception to the principle. So, so the principle has to be fully engaged, has to be in full operation in my life. Then, then I can rightly deal with and handle the exceptions. What if, what if for a week, dare I say a month? What if for a whole month we were thinking about every day, and believe me folks, I thought about it every day this week and still tripped. But, but, but what if we were thinking about these five things for a whole month, no exceptions, Nowhere were we going to apply an exception. We were just going to engage the principle and get it fully operational in our life. I'll tell you what I believe, folks, with all my heart, is we would create a culture of life in our home, in our church, in our workplace, in our schools. We would stop death. And I mean that both metaphorically and literally. Because that's the power of the Holy Spirit in us. What if... What, what, if, what if we did that for a, for a whole month? Now, I, you would say, and you'd be right, well, that, that's not going to always work. You're right. We live in a fallen world. It is not always going to work. But it's not always not going to work. Right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you as a people who would worship you and praise you and say thank you for life. Thank you for valuing us. And yet, Lord, we are a room full of people that have dishonored. We have dishonored life. We have devalued life. Every one of us has done it. We've done it this week. Lord, all the way from abortion to gossip. And a multitude of sins in between. This room contains all of that. God, I am needy of your forgiveness. I can think about you and I can think about honoring people and I can think about how important it is and I can agree with your word and literally walk right out and devalue somebody. And I confess that sin, God. I confess that and hold myself accountable before this family. God, I pray here, just in, just in a second, just in a moment, Lord, we would, we would stop and look back over this past week. Maybe places in our life where we know we, we significantly devalued, we significantly dishonored. And may we just take a moment and repent of that. May we take a moment and confess that.
God, I feel like sometimes all I have in this life is the promise of 1 John 1, 9. That if we confess our sins, you're so faithful, you are so just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's not a sin in this room. There's not an act of devaluing. There's not an act of dishonoring. There's nothing in this room you can't cleanse and you can't forgive. Thank you. May we cling to that. May we hold on to that. May it be our very life. And Lord, I pray the fact that we can cling to it and it can be our life Perhaps that would be a motivation for us to go out there to honor, to value, and to share life with those looking for it. Those that have been devalued and aren't holding on to you for that value. Help us to see what is going on more than just somebody being bad. It's in Jesus' name we desperately ask for your help. Amen.